Everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk number three hundred and two. Uh, we won't say anything more about three hundred one. Three hundred one, as you know, was a uh, was is, a, is also an HTTP status code for file not found, moved elsewhere, which was a bit like what last week was actually. Even though I managed to pull it together in the edit, it was it was a bit of a nightmare. Skype just, I think we had a power cut and uh, or a, a brownout. There was a flicker of light and the uh, streaming machine froze, and then Skype quit later on. Oh, it was a nightmare. But hopefully this week it will all be beautiful. Beautiful. And I'm just keep glancing over here because I've got I've set up my Raspberry Pi to be a permanent uh, real time stats counter. You can get Google Analytics and it'll tell you what's happening on the real time on the site. And uh, and it just sits there and it'll run like several massive HDMI screens with sort of real time stats. So I'm trying to see how many people we've got according to the stats there in the live VRL, even though there are um, ooh, over 50 people in the chat room. There only appear to be nine people looking at the web page, according to Google Analytics, which I, I'm not sure that's right. Something's wrong somewhere. Uh, yeah, we've room, we've room to improve, improve Redwalks. Thank you. Anyway, thanks for listening to everybody. Um, this is uh, Sonic State Live. Obviously, we've got the live chat room. We've got, uh, if, you're, if, you, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, maybe you're watching us on YouTube for the first time, sonicstate.com forward slash live at 4 p.m. UK time. Uh, and... Um, we're here again, and I'm rambling, so I better start introducing some guests, otherwise there'll be trouble. So if I switch that button now, I'm going to go, and we'll start with, well, we'll start with Mr. Ah, well, we would have started with Gav Williams if I had the screen about right. I'm going to fix that right away. There we go. Gaz Williams there. Um, let me see. He's here. That's his little thing. Ah, Gaz Goldstar. Gaz looking very resplendent in actual um, full bandwidth video impressive stuff what's happening you must be not at home it doesn't look like you're at your lowly garret we know you've been working so uh, can you tell us anything more uh well i am i'm at the underworld hq right now um working on the the carl hyde solo project uh which is going really well uh carl's actually just chipped off he's gone to the brits awards so hence ah, that's why nice that's why i've been allowed <laughs> been allowed to come and do the show which is cool because normally it's uh it coincides with the show which is a shame um so you're rehearsing and what have you up there yeah that's right yeah yeah we're getting we're getting ready for our first proper show which is in japan in beginning of april so wow uh, so there's a band and stuff yep it's a four-piece band and it's uh yeah it's it's really nice actually it's a kind of um uh it's nice to be reunited with angie pollock uh she's playing keyboards angie's uh, uh yeah angie no angie she played keyboards for Goldfrap and peter gabriel and on the uh, popea thing that you did as well didn't she right that's right and uh you know and th- big thanks to dave um for sorting this one out because it's a great it's a great really good fun it's a really lot lot of good feeling going on um and yeah, it's really nice. It's really come together quite nice now, uh, and uh, I'm enjoying it uh, immensely. Excellent. Yeah, because you get, well, you're getting good sandwiches too. We've been looked after. Yeah, it's excellent. That's the most important <laughs> uh, thing. <laughs> what's good? What's good for me though, as well, is that I'm continuing my little odyssey into sort of um, synth, bass synthesizer. So I'm using my my bass synth again, like I used on the show, the opera I did last year. So using lots of uh, 
uh, you know, lots of patches, lots of different sounds. That's the Roland and, thing, right? The Roland... Yeah, the, yeah, the GR55. Yeah, um, okay. But have been finding limits to the triggering really because uh, some of the things uh, you know the triggering is just i get yeah well we found we found that when we're doing stuff with golf rap stuff is when you're trying to do kind of like maybe eighth or sixteenth bass lines that have to be quite constant velocity it's they're just it's pretty hard to emulate that kind of thing is that the stuff you're getting well i found ways i've been finding ways to do it uh but what i was finding was in order to get the sensitivity right I was having to ramp the sensitivity right up so it wouldn't do any false triggering. And then I'd have to play really, really hard. And I was getting, you know, big blisters up my Mashed fingers. up fingers, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. It's cool. We're, we're there is all also the possibility that you could just have, like, a little keyboard at the side for those lines, you know? Or maybe strap-on. Keyboard schmeeboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's up to you. I'm just, but I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, Gaz, thank you for joining us. Uh, songsurgeon.co.uk, follow Gaz at Gaz Goldstar, all of those good things. And uh, we'll also go back to, uh, let's see who we've got over here. Well, we'll say hello to Mr. Mark Tinley uh, over there in um, the east of England. Um, how you doing, Mark? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. Good afternoon. Ah, I'm glad to have you. Um, the half term is now over. And, uh, well, yeah, it's bizarre, though, because my child goes to school in Cambridgeshire and I live in Bedfordshire, but it's about 10 miles away, Cambridgeshire. So half-term for Cambridgeshire was last week, but half-term for everyone else is this week. So none of the kids are at school where I live this week, but I have when I, I drive him to school and there's all kids wandering around with no uniforms on. So it's sort of weird, but anyway, uh, gotcha. it is over for me anyway. Anyway, Mark Tinley, of course, um, sound artist, um, putting together, you're working with um, the Duran people, aren't you? You've got an album coming out, isn't that right, with Nick? March the 11th, yes. Yes. Plug it, then. I was, I did work on it in 1996 or something, and uh, and, uh, Nick found the master tape and went, oh, this is rather good, we should release this. And actually, it's kind of weird, because it's got a very contemporary kind of feel to it, and it's all about internet and... Uh, reality TV and none of oh, those. So it's very, really very pertinent. So no, though, though it's kind of visionary, I suppose. Ah, okay. Well, um, thank you very much for joining us. I just want to say, um, Gaz is probably wondering what all these um, um, these references to Holly Valance and Holly in the in the. Um, in the chat room might be and that's because um we were hoping to have uh, a new guest on who is chap called Jem Godfrey who is uh basically a bit of a superstar keyboard player um behind the scenes you may not have heard of him but i mean he's written loads of kind of big pop tunes uh, got Ivan Novello's worked with the the kind of X Factor crowd as well so right in the kind of thrusting kind of the the vanguard of uh, of of cheesy pop i suppose you could say but at the same time He's been playing with uh, um, Steve Vai, uh, and he's got a, the kind of prog rock thing called uh, Frost. So, you know, that's what those references to Wigs and Holly are, because they were saying, oh, maybe you can, if Gaz can't make it, maybe you can get Holly Valance instead, you see, and there was the references going. So, uh, yeah, that's what's uh, going on there. I met Shem. I met him. Oh, have you? Yes, I bought a keyboard off him. I bought a, a Blofeld, key, uh, Blofeld keyboard off him, uh, and just, yeah. I didn't realise uh, all that background either. But no, uh, but 
yeah, really nice chat. I don't, um, but anyway, he couldn't make it at the last minute, but he says uh, he will be on at some point. Uh, and that brings me to last, but certainly by no means least, uh, Dave Spears sporting a very Apple circa 1990s black polo neck there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Spears, <laughs> of course, uh, G4 software, or should I say, have you been for a job interview at Apple? Yeah, I'm taking over the whole of the audio division and carving it up into tiny pieces. Yes. No, um, I should be sensible if I'm wearing a black polo neck. No, it's actually a cardigan. Ah, uh, okay, that's acceptable then. Uh, Dave Spears, of course, um, G4 software makers of fine software instruments and Reason rack extensions and many other things too. In fact, lots of great videos on YouTube Dave's been putting together. Um, you should check those out too. I'm just going to post another one, actually. I've just finished another one. We got a new toy the other day. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, it's actually the little step. I don't know whether you can see it. Can you see it? There? Yeah. Well, is that a step just... sequencer? Yeah, it's it? a step sequencer for the AB8s. Uh, they're eight voice. So I was kind of like, oh yeah, let's do something on that, and then juxtapose it with something software. Because everyone goes, oh, hardware is not. Uh, software is not as good as that. And I'm like, oh come on. Oh, honestly. Stupid. Yeah. Like, what what do they know? In yeah, fact, did you, I didn't put this in, but um, there was. Have you seen this? That step sequencer thing that runs in Renoise, which I didn't. I didn't know anything about Renoise. Multi-platform um, DAW that runs on Linux as well, and you can join up loads of um, <laughs> loads of Novation launch pads into one massive kind of step sequencer that runs. And that that looked quite cool. There's a news item about it um, um, that we posted uh, last week. It's kind of funky. Oh, I'll check that out. Yeah, I'm in love with step sequences at the minute. I, I, I never got into step stuff, but um, ah, what they're I just brilliant, brilliant ideas, tools, and just kind of really on the fly little moments of inspiration. Hmm. And okay. we also got another little synth over here. You want to hear this one? Oh, come on then. Oh, you can't. I've turned all the volume down. Ah, well, what is it? I can't see it. It's a, It's called a Minute Moog, and it's like a Moog satellite, but rarer, and it's got two. Oscillators. And it sounds really good. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, we're going to get a treat now. Here we go. I, I, I just want to play how amusing it is, because it is really good. Hey, okay, little single oscillator. <laughs> Excellent. Like I can hear it's got that Moog drive in it as well. Two oscillators. It's quite good, isn't it? I like that little jazzy grace note you put there in the, uh, yeah, in, in the model there. Very uh, taken liberties with uh, with uh, with craft work there. I don't yeah. know, nobody knows mine's a bit, but nice work. And also, you avoid the publishing because um, obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. get hammered. The amount of attention this podcast get, <laughs> lawyers all over the place. God. It's like craft work, but it's jazz. Yeah, it's like daft work. <laughs> <laughs> There's a show title there. Maybe. Right, uh, let's see. Where are we? Well, we, well let's go straight in. Um, well, for, I know, Dave, Dave, you'll be very excited about this because basically this was from last week that we didn't get time for. So I shall hit play now and then you can just... Um, well, I won't cut to you immediately because I, I, I don't want to catch you doing anything that uh, can't be shown on camera. There we go. Now, this is the, uh, the trailer for the kind of extended version of the I Dream of Wires. Lovely camera work, all this uh, lovely bit of slider work there. Oh, look at that. I better talk over it because obviously, again, you know, this might um, trigger the YouTube copyright machine. 
But this is, uh, yeah, the extended trailer. They've basically, the I Dream of Wires, uh, there was a trailer out of this last year. This is the hardcore edition, uh, which is going to come out on two DVDs. Uh, it's four hours long. It's got loads of extra stuff. And if you really want to spend a bit of extra money, you can uh, you can buy the, um, you get a free module version as well, which is a battery acid module, Eurorack module by uh, Hex Inverter. This is just full of uh, modular stuff. And it's quite interesting. It's nice to see Eric Berber in there uh, from Metasonics, not swearing. Amongst uh, and lots and lots of other people, but just lots of beautiful stuff on synthesizers. And this this does sound quite nice. Let's see if I can fast forward it to some talking head stuff. It's a very long. Definitely some place to. So many great. Ah, there's um, Tony Rolando from Make Noise. But interface. And also, there's a bit of that, you know. Vince, it's, um, something's really. It's a star-studded cast. It's just Don't know who that is. Beautiful. Nano four filters. All that. Hardcore edition. But yeah, as I flip around, and it, what's great, there seems to be a load of stuff about. I can um, out the five you guys, if you want. There seems to be a lot of uh, uh, people basically describing just how how their lives would have been very different if they hadn't got into modular electronics. And if, the, you know, some people saying that if they discovered these things uh, when they were young, they'd never have married and had children and that kind of stuff. Just great stuff. And I know, Dave, you were really... Uh, the gas has dropped off, but I'm going to pop that there. I know Dave... Oh, no, I don't want that. Dave, you were very uh, excited by this, so I'm going to let you uh, let you start. Have you ordered yours? I did. It's fu- it's actually really quite reasonable. It's not yeah. shipping till June. It's forty bucks, including worldwide shipping, for two um, um, two DVDs worth. So four, four hours. hours. Yes, I predict a worldwide shortage of Kleenex after this. At <laughs> Screen cleaners. So get, get, get your orders in now and pop down the old Boots chemist shop and get, um, yeah, get your Kleenex now because there is going to be quite a lot of, um, I don't know what the word to use is really. No, it's really good. Uh, I'm really, I mean, even, the, even that intro is just sort of massively long and borderline pornographic, isn't it? I mean, it is. It's, loving, it's lovingly create, created, isn't it? Yeah. And... Actually, it was interesting because they were looking for funding about uh, regarding this, uh, maybe last year, something like that. And it was something that we were seriously thinking about, kind of, you know, just throwing some money at, but we didn't. And that kind of makes it even more exciting to see, actually. I mean, there were loads of things, even just about the intro that I liked. You know, there were loads of people in there. Like I say, it was great to see Benj and John Fox and that whole thing. Gary Newman was really interesting. And what I really liked is the slight tension between the Eurorack people and the large format people, which is really... I think that could be very entertaining. It's bizarre, isn't it? Oh, there we go. We have gas back again. So I'm going to just uh, go over there. And, uh, it's it's funny, isn't it? How uh, how that's that all works. And and Paul Schreiber, um, interestingly enough, for module of the month, saying that um, that you know he thinks actually you should be able to do better than Moog these days because I mean that was almost accidental. Some of the sounds they made, you know, the drive into the filter, or what have you. And he's got a point in a way in saying you know actually if you're coming at it you know with what we now know uh, on top of you know the the stuff that Bob obviously pioneered, you know, let's not forget. But that he, he you know it should be possible to make even more great sounding modules because of the, the advances. Or do you think he was perhaps being a little bit over the top? I I. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I do, I do kind of agree, and I think that's probably the kind of large format versus the Eurorack thing is that you're getting a lot of 
you're getting quite a few sort of experimental stuff. I mean, I'm quite a big fan of that hex inverter stuff. And we've bought a large format modular. And I Have keep you? saying to Chris, yeah. You did it? That yeah, must be in, what, like in the last 10 days? No, 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 no. We bought it a while ago, but it's being built over ah. the next few months and then will be sent to the new place where it'll probably take pride of place until I blow it up or something. But I was saying to Chris, you know, maybe it might be a point for, you know, because Chris doesn't play anything, but he has got a very musical ear and a kind of, and a really kind of matrix logical mind. So I was saying to him, you know, maybe if he went the Euro rack route and... Yeah, I tried to pimp it. I tried to to fob, to give him the uh, our spare case, but uh, he wouldn't have it. Yeah. It's, no, now it's it gone. Was, what you need to do is upset him because when he gets upset, he then has to have a little bit of retail therapy, and normally I'm the recipient of that. Oh, okay. I'll start thinking. You fancy one of those, and I'll go, no, no, thanks. And then usually we can kind of raise the stakes until he's just at the point of bursting into tears. Then... <laughs> I don't. I don't feel it's. Uh, I need to do that. But uh, interestingly, the, the 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 thing that comes up in the uh, trailer is, you know, obviously, you know, it's for the for the older gentleman with failing eyesight. You know, the large format stuff seems to work very well, and that's that's a sort of. It's definitely. Uh, I, in fact, funnily enough, I was picking up some of the gear from Kent yesterday, and I said I said to him about it, and he said, "Yep, yeah, eyesight." <laughs> I don't want these tiny little knobs. And he was saying that's one of the reasons why they made the M2 controller so big is obviously we're all over 40 and we need to be able to see what we're turning now. I like the idea of having a kind of um, Brazil-style massive magnifying panel that's on the end of one of these things that you just sort of like... (laughs) (laughs) And then you can look really mad and maybe a couple of head torches or something like that. I don't know. Gaz, did this thrill you? you Have you seen the trailer? Yeah, yeah. I thought it looks really cool. I, it made me think it'd be nice to have a collective screen in somewhere, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's an idea. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know if there's somewhere we could do it, maybe in Bath or something, and see if anyone wants to come down to watch it. I think yeah. it'd be quite fun to watch with a, you know, a total you know, four hours together. I think a load of drunk yeah. musos. Yeah, yeah, that would be hilarious, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> <predict> a riot. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, yeah, great. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the edge of getting a modular. It's something I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, although I'm thinking of going the Euro, the Euro rack format. Um, so yeah, so I am, I am interested in it. I haven't really got much to add though, cause I'm not currently. Not very modularistic at the moment. Yeah. Not it's yet. definitely, it's definitely. It's definitely got a kind of uh, uh, interest. I mean, when we've um, there's a chap from who's just started getting involved in Sonic, who's really into modulars, and we might do some kind of how to build some things with him um, if we could persuade him to get in front of the camera. Mm. Uh, and he's really into all of that <laughs> scene, so th- I suspect this is something for him as well. But yeah, great. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's interesting to get excited about the idea of a film about synths, and it's it, and I think obviously the, the 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 fact that now we can all film these beautiful things on our DSLRs is a great uh, uh, help because <laughs> now it can look nice as well and like proper. I know, um, Mark, are you uh, are you thrilled by the concept of a, of a film about modular synthesizers? Um, well, it's my birthday on March the eighteenth, and now I know what to ask for for my birthday. So yes. Ah, and, well, you're going to get a, a modular or a video because this thing's not out till June the first, oh, so you'll only video. get. Uh, well, I'll 
Oh, well, I'll have to have a pre-order for my birthday. Um, no, I'm not going to get... I mean, I'm a complete extremist. I'm either on or I'm off. So when it comes to modulars, I loved the Nord modular because it was like this little tiny thing and everything was inside it and it was like you could build things with it and make modular synthesis and I loved that, having it in the computer. But the... The other, the other extent of it is that HMV Mark II thing, which is just like a room. You walk into this massive room, and the room is the synthesizer. And I just, oh, it's like it. Oh, the Schneider's, the intense. Schneider's Burrow place in HMV in one London. Of, one of the first things that they show there. He's oh, the, the RCA Mark II, RCA Mark. II. Yeah, okay, ah, got you. I'm getting my acronyms muddled up, but I mean. I mean, if I had the money in a big enough house, that is how I would have my house. It just looks extraordinary. It's like something out of the Batman set, isn't it? I mean, it's just mental. Yeah, it definitely, uh, it definitely has. Uh, some, I mean, can you imagine the heat that that would be uh, generating? It would be absolutely kind of uh, monstrous. In fact, the guy, you know, I mean, you'd have to have such. You spend almost as much in air conditioning in a year as you would on the actual unit, I'd imagine. Yeah, unless you lived in somewhere cold. You could go and live in Scotland, I suppose, in an old castle with that. That would be even better. <laughs> and to come out with, like, slicked back hair and fangs every so <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. And that's, and that's, I mean, I'm sure the thing about this is it's going to be a vehicle. For, hopefully there'll be lots of music. Maybe there'll be an album out of it as well, because, I mean, presumably they're going to be using quite a lot of music bed stuff in this. I would assume yeah. so. You know, there could be. Who who did the music on that on the trailer? Now um, that did actually come up in um, in the YouTube uh, video uh, stuff, which I cannot find at the moment. Mm. Uh, I don't know, but it, it does get credited. I just have to. Uh, you'd have to look at if you look in the comments for the YouTube video. I'm pre- the YouTube version of that that rather than mm. the Vimeo one, or maybe it's the Vimeo one. It does say so. There are. Mm. Um, Nice kind of folk, folk, modular folk music. Uh, fo- modular folk music. Yes, it did almost, didn't it? In fact, I, I was looking, um, oh, it, 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 it passed me by now. I was just, I found some, there was a discussion, I think it was on one of the Reddit uh, uh, threads, which was basically said, uh, you know, it's not all about electronic dance music. Check this out. And there's quite, I mean, because when you look at some of the other things that people are doing, there's lots of classical interpretations as well with modulars and, and processing and what have you. So it's, uh, you know, there are uh, lots of potential for use in it. And again, it's got that, well, I mean, whenever I fire up the, uh, the modular and have it plugged in for any reason, it's great. Uh, HT in the, uh, in the chat room says, oh, great, three and a half hours of arpeggios. <laughs> <laughs> which is is probably not far off the truth there. Although I think there will be other aspects to it as well, hopefully. But I think we look forward to it. I think it's June um, uh, June the 1st. Let me see. If you can pre-order now, if I switch to here, we should be able to see. Uh, yeah, pre-order now. Uh, two DVDs, epic four hours. Uh, for those of you outside America, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's 24 frames a second. Where is it? Shipping now. Blu-ray. You get it on Blu-ray. You can get it on two DVDs. Oh, I got it on two DVDs because I don't have a Blu-ray player. Uh, although there might be one in my computer, I suppose. Um, when does it come out? I thought it was June the 1st because I can't see there. Uh, no, in fact, I'm, uh, I, I'm just not providing enough information there. So if I stop talking, then it might mean that I don't say anything that's incorrect. Um, well, less likely that I'll say something that's incorrect. I'll I mean, never let that stop me in the past. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you go to idreamofwires.org, um, 
there is. Our dream of wires.org um, is the place to, to check it out and uh, and then pre-order. And I recommend you do because it presumably it'll help them with the funding to get the thing finished as well. I mean, I like the idea. It's, it's sort of a worthy crowdsourcing style project or pre-order style project. So I think, uh, yes, thumbs up from me, all two of them. <laughs> um, and right, we're moving on to something a little bit different now. Uh, let's try this one. This is uh, basically the prototype uh, VO96, which is Paul Vo, um, who uh, was the guy behind the electronics of the Mo guitar. I notice I said Mo correctly there. I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm on. I'm, I'm going to. I'm getting therapy to hypnotise me into saying Mo correctly. I'm not sure what I need to visualise for that to happen. But this, these are some shots of what it is. This is a, called acoustic synthesis, and it's a little sort of add-on that clips onto an acoustic guitar, and it's got sort of transducers and stuff in there that will actually uh, vibrate the strings. So it works in a similar way. So it uh, has p- positive and, and negative phase vibration, so it can mute and enhance them. And this is um, this is a very. It's, it's, what's so interesting about this is it's he calls it acoustic synthesis, which basically means what's happening is purely mechanical. So the string is vibrating and being manipulated by this sort of complex DSP under the hood that creates these vibrations. And it's quite an interesting idea. I mean, I'm not sure that we've heard the best of it there, but it's. I think the first chap there was uh, was, was perhaps playing to its strengths a bit more. But it's a very interesting concept, I think, this idea of mechanical synthesis. I've not, I've not come across it anywhere else. And uh, I don't know, I don't know what, uh, what you thought about it. I mean, Gaz, you're currently doing a lot of guitar synthesis or bass guitar synthesis. I don't know if there's such a thing for, uh, for vibrating bass strings. I mean, I guess, can you use an Ebo with bass strings? Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this is so much more than just an Ebo, but does it sound interesting? Yeah, it sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, I use an Ebo... On my bass, uh, I use it pretty much only on the G string, um, just because of the sheer mass, I think, to get the string to vibrate. But it works quite nice. But uh, I thought that this thing is really cool. Uh, I'd love to get my hands on one. And I've got a really... I, I've got an acoustic bass I'd like to try it on, but the only thing is my the sound hole on my acoustic bass is up on the, on the top. It's actually displaced from... Ah, the, right. Okay. I don't know if it would work. Um, but I think it's... Uh, I think it's really interesting, um, and I think the thing that's that makes it interesting for me is that it's going to sound different on every acoustic guitar, isn't it? You know, it's really going to resonate depending on on the sort of the, the acoustic properties of a particular guitar. I think that's what's quite interesting. It's always going to sound slightly different. So, um, yeah, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's a bit like sort of additive synthesis in a way. I mean, it's hard for me because I can only hear these really high, almost inharmonic tones that come in, which it must be very difficult to kind of, you know, manipulate them if you've got a a guitar that could be different. So I'd be interested to see how it actually works, you know, in conjunction with... the. Well, I'm wondering if it's sort of if people are using like open tunings with it, so all the kind of strings are, you know, sympathetically resonating or... uh, 
I, I must admit, Nick, I haven't actually really had a chance to look at the notes very much. So um, no, that's all right. Uh, well, don't don't, don't really. worry. I mean, but it's uh, as an interesting concert. I mean, I don't know, uh, Dave. What the, uh, the Moo guitar caused a massive splash when it actually first came out, didn't it? But it, it, I don't know how it did. You know, in terms of you know selling. I mean, I guess it was never destined to be like a, a mass production uh, instrument. Um, whereas something like this, you know, you could see clipping this onto an acoustic could be it could could have a lot more potential for sort of reaching more people perhaps yeah it's the fact that it's an add-on i think is quite appealing i sent it to a couple of in fact it's weird because normally my two benchmarks are john here is a guitarist programmer guitarist and obviously carl is receptive to stuff so everything anything that comes along like this and i did get a mode guitar for carl to try out and he didn't get on with it but I think that was probably because it either felt like a banjo <laughs> when the when the sound is sucked away from those strings. You All know, right, yeah, I got you. Or it ended up like a kind of polyphonic ebo, and I think that a lot of people were, or some people were looking for you know something different. The fact that this is an add-on gets rid of one of the big hurdles of the Mo guitar, and that was the price, because most people were kind of really. Uh, astonished at the price yeah i so, mean yeah. No, we don't know how much this is yet it's still concept stage but it looks like something that could be made I, i'm guessing and a mood guitar is pig ugly don't forget um uh, i guess i didn't re- i don't remember i think the wood was nice and what have you but uh, where i saw because i saw it being used well it seems to work better uh, those those sounds sound better when they're processed additionally, so there's sort of drive or ambience or whatever on top of them, so you can get more interesting sounds. I think whether it's just the string vibrating, like I say, it, it seems to enhance these sort of strange harmonics, which uh, unless they can be suppressed by DSP more, then just that, that, there's something about it that jangles with me. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Um, I'm intrigued. I think it's uh, perhaps a new take on things like the sitar it almost sounds like it has a nasal kind of wow wow kind of quality to it which reminds me of the filtering that you get in mp3 right so it's almost like it's it's almost like if you took uh, a sitar tone and then put it through a wah wah that's cycled through the 11 or 13 i can't remember how many it is filter bands of an mp3 so it was creating those weird bell-like transitions, but also sounding like someone going, wah. It sort of sounds like that. And it sounds interesting, I think. Um, I'd kind of like to play around with one. I yeah, think I, I think depending on the... Depending the, on the, the person playing stairway to heaven at the end yeah that really that really shouldn't have happened they should have clipped they should have should have they should have had the edit there like don't play stairway to heaven for goodness sake it hasn't been long enough should have come in with a sign also it did nothing so it did nothing for the sound of the thing because it didn't it didn't show the thing in its best light to play that with it. I think what he was playing earlier, the Pat Metheny style, kind of almost like jazz runs and kind of letting that ring out into synth tones and stuff, that sounded really interesting to me. And I wish I could play more like that myself because I, I kind of feel that, you know, that Pat Metheny kind of area is a really nice area to be in. But um, it sound, sounded like it was suited to that. Yeah, and also these loop guys, you know, the guys using all the kind of loop station stuff. That was the first thing when I sent it to John. I think he came back saying, actually, there's this kind of new generation of picker, picker guitarist, loop station guys who would probably get on with it. 
Yeah, I mean, right. I, I think you're right. I think uh, um, what we were hearing were people who played guitar traditionally being sort of enhanced by it. But I imagine, you know, there would be a much greater potential, sonic potential for people who adapted their content and playing style to kind of... Um, to work yeah it was called the vo 96 uh paul it's, Vo. It's, it's kind of organic isn't it i mean it has an organic quality to it but it's using a computer to enhance the way that that organic quality works so it's almost works like a, a resonant instrument like a sitar but it does something clever as well I mean, I mean i think it's something that they could develop personally it looks good yeah it does doesn't it i mean and and, and in, in in some ways you know it, it perhaps you know if it does continue to take off that there might be ways of modifying existing acoustic builds to take advantage of the additional resonance that this can provide it's, how much it's, does it cost it's that? a bit how like much is it? Uh, well oh well actually um i mean this is still concept it's not it's not made it to production yet but i mean i think it's working towards that definitely because i mean paul vo's been working on this since like 1979 you know he kind of he started out uh, he kind of came up with this polyphonic sort of ebo type thing built built i got it to work and then the first commercial release was really the moon thing uh, i mean he's this thing will control up to 96 harmonic controls it says which i'm not quite sure how that works i'd be really interested to see so if you can sort of tilt the harmonic uh, content of certain strings and and damp or or emphasize certain harmonics that would be very very interesting but i couldn't kind of hear that in uh, hearing you know what i was Wasn't hearing he there doing that with his hand though he seemed to be doing something in front of the sound hole that seemed to be making a difference to the sound or was that just my imagination uh, i didn't didn't spot that maybe you maybe you saw something i didn't but uh, yeah quite possibly so yeah that we don't know if it's going to have a price or anything oh who's that you remember that thing Yep. Do you remember that thing that you could get in the eighties? I think it was where you could you could clamp it onto the back of an acoustic guitar, and it had like a reverb springs in it. It was like a kind of uh, so you could have like a a reverb on your acoustic guitar. No, I'd never um, heard of that. My brother used to my brother used to have one. Yeah, it, it had little it had little kind of uh, saddles that go underneath the strings, and it attached to sort of like uh, some reverb springs. And uh, so like a big box attached to the acoustic guitar, and then you had re- you had re- you had reverb then acoustic reverb. <laughs> wow, fun. interesting idea. Wow. Mm. No, I yeah, I haven't seen them when you kicked it. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah. dropped it, or hit it. I haven't it, seen or... them. I haven't seen them for years and years now, but they were. It was pretty cool. Wow. I'll try. I'll try, I'll try and have a look. Remember the Gizmotron? I'm old enough to remember that. Uh, a bit. Gizmotron, oh, no. I don't even know. Now you're, I'm glad to say Dudley I have cream. no knowledge of what yeah. any of you are talking about. Cream. And it was like an Ebo, but it ran on wheels. Oh, yeah, and it had little... So um, you kind of press these little... Press the thing Little ticklers. The <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. It was the pre-runner of some, uh, some modern-day sex toys, I'm told. Yes. yes. <laughs> Allegedly, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I have no idea whether it was ago, or not. At NAMM, I got Carl this really cool little thing. In fact, I think it was rubbish, but it looked, it sounded quite cool at the time. You plugged it in the in your guitar cable hole, and it had a little light thing on it, sensor on it. And when you went like that over it, it would trigger on and off. Like it would literally act like a gate, so you could kind of like play a chord and then go. And it was quite posy and stuff. Ah, uh, well, but I think you the get sig- the, I- it was. 
Ah, okay. Well, you you get something similar, which are those um, volume pots that you put on a guitar. So it's a bit like uh, people use with uh, rhythm and treble switches on Les Pauls, where you can go, did, 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 you can gate things, and you can do mm. the same thing. It's like a sprung volume pot that you can get retrofitted to any guitars. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure Chappers demonstrated one, and it was really cool because you can kind of really tap out quite complicated rhythms, like you know, on it, and very good for, I guess, if you wanted to do, um, I don't know, Who covers or something i don't know or you know other synthy kind of textures or whatever just be johnny marr for a day arpeggiated arse ticklers he says in the chat room how i would so love to use that as the show title but i feel (laughs) i feel that perhaps it would go a bit too far for um certain (laughs) christian organizations and the internet (laughs) asprey asprey is the name of that reverb thing for acoustic guitar asprey okay thank you yeah yeah, excellent. Uh, but anyway, the Paul Vo thing. Um, if you get, in fact, if you check his website, it's really, it's really well written. There's some very interesting pieces about you know how he came up with the name and you know what just what he's been up to. It's just like it's a, it seems like a really nice bloke the way he's written the site and it's got lots of extra information in it. So yeah, um, quite good that. So Mark, this is one for you because uh, you brought this one on, and uh, I don't really know what to say. So I'm just going to play it, and you'll have to then explain yourself. gets filed under uh, imagine, uh, imaginative uses of music technology in uh, in unusual situations and mark you brought this one to my attention this is uh, called um she's called um oh what's she called musical uh, ruth musical ruth that's right so uh, <laughs> in fact the email that you sent in fact that was a musical youth sample you get it past the dutch upon the left hand side um you uh, you said this is you in 10 years time is Absolutely. this what, have, you, have you planned your future you're going to be driving around shopping precincts with a, on a pimped up mobility scooter it's very monty python isn't it I mean, it's very, very yeah. british in humor i think but i um gina's uh nephew i think i i can't remember yeah i think Jenna's nephew was in blackpool and saw this guy driving through blackpool on that thing and videoed him and sent us the video and i was watching it and i said that is something we have to discuss on the sonic state podcast because it's like the most bizarre use of music technology so then i um i thought i'd better do a search for like musical nun on mobile piano and then i found loads of video on youtube as well so he has a website and he goes all around all the seaside resorts doing this um, <laughs> it's, it, it's brilliant i have to i have to say i looked at uh i because i checked out i looked on the site and there a lot of the samples are you know i mean maybe it was full filmed in the same season but that you know the same gag or whatever but obviously it's just it's just such a bizarre concept and uh and, and i thought it was yeah it's, it is very python isn't it and certainly very original python. And very loud, really impressively loud. Quite quickly, but yeah, I, I don't think you'd want to see it more than once a month, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but 
great. In fact, um, I think it certainly gets an award for most imaginative use. I don't. I couldn't make out what the keyboard was, but I presume it's got some sort of sampling in there, or maybe he's got a SP two hundred two or something like that. Like uh, I remember, I came on the podcast after the fair was in town, and I noticed all the people at the fair have those little boss pad samplers and they go hold tight you know and it's just got all of the kind of you know the, the stuff that you say uh, coming up you know, know stop me and buy one and yeah, exactly and it's all of that is just so it's pre-produced stuff that they just play and there's sort of a bored looking carnival person just pressing them sort of every once in a while and if they get really creative they go <laughs> hold tight you know but this one this one has a, a certainly more humor to it that's for sure uh, uh, dave have you ever seen this before no, this is the first I haven't, no, and I, I, yes. I'm not sure whether I'd like that coming up behind me in town when I was shopping. I'm quite grumpy when I do shopping, so. Well, maybe when you're on your mobile, when, you're, when you're at the stage yeah. when you're in your mobi- mobility scooter, you could have a kind of like uh, scoot off with the nun. I, yeah, no, I promise I'm going to be the most miserable, cantankerous old bugger ever. That's my life's statement you're just saving up for that that yeah. future for yourself i could sneak up behind some youngster oh get out of the way <laughs> with a sample that'd be fantastic yeah. what's <laughs> funny is when i saw that so obviously i'm in builder's hell mode at the minute with with the studio stuff being built and the other day it was time to meet the windows man so the windows man comes around and shows us all the options for windows and i'm going well i just want ones that i can see through please that'll be handy and it turns out that he is also a busker in reading uh, he's mentioned bath uh newbury kind of all the way down the m4 corridor and he takes with him like a little mini eve staff piano that's painted white and he's got an umbrella and i've seen him in town i've seen him yeah and 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 it's the same guy sat in front of me trying to sell me windows busking and double glazing at the same time can i have windows thick enough to stop stop me from hearing you please it was really funny (laughs) i didn't know what to say maybe your windows are so bad that you have to busk or maybe your busking's so bad you've got to sell double glazing that's particularly harsh and very unfair but yeah no i've heard him he's good it's and he plays uh he plays kind of well i asked him i said don't you get hassled like all the time because chris and i went to a wakey gig and he comes around with a keyboard and i just felt this overwhelming urge just to kind of press all the notes down and uh, he said the worst place he goes is in my town because it's full of girl gangs that threaten to smash his piano up. <laughs> <laughs> the further towards Bath he goes, the nicer everyone becomes. And then, and in Bath, he never gets any trouble at all. But quite a lot of druggies in Oxford. There you go. He's he obviously like, hasn't come across me or you yet. Yeah. In Bath, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great one. Well, Gaz, I, I think you can appreciate, uh, you could probably appreciate this, couldn't you? The musical yeah, nun. Yeah, it's great fun. I mean, <laughs> I was thinking of what I'd seen that was anything like it. And well, I haven't actually seen anything like that, but I had seen something. It did remind me of something that I saw in Glastonbury Festival once, which I thought was very ingenious. And this chap had built a, um, he'd built a drum kit on a platform, which was then powered by a, like a, uh, a golf caddy trolley and he could um basically he could drive around you drive around playing drums at the same time as actually driving around on this thing but playing drums excellent uh, and that was that was amazing it was so cool uh, and he'd use, he was using those um, arbiter flats they're just like 
they're just like the skins of drum kit of drums. Uh, okay, like, like, um, like the shells. Oh god, I remember what they're called. Uh, yes, they used to get them on um, Roto. Yeah. Roto, yeah, but you had them on on big sheet of pressed metal, and there were three in a hole. Mm. Very eighties, right. very Thompson twins. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was amazing though, know, because he was actually a fantastic drummer. So you know, he'd just be just just driving around, and um, uh, he was kind of he must have been steering with his feet somehow, because he was just driving around the kind of place, uh, playing drums, but driving around as well there was a guy um there was a guy at nam actually who was uh i think he was disabled i think he was uh maybe missing either part of his leg legs or both legs i'm not sure but he was driving around and he had like a uh electronic drum kit and a massive speaker in the back and he was it was a mobility scooter and he was just sort of driving around playing drum solos he was really good actually and uh um i think we shot a bit there's a bit of video up on uh, our youtube channel i think rich got a bit of him i forget the name of him whatever but it was it was really good actually not something you see every day in at NAM, but also a kind of really brilliant use of obviously the technology he used himself to get around that he pimped up to the degree that he could actually now go around and play and what have you. And I guess he must have done gigs and played in bands or whatever. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, yeah, that was good. Excellent I've stuff. Always, I've always wanted to do it in a car. I had the idea of putting huge subwoofers in the back of the car and then some uh, some waterproof speakers underneath the arches and then having like loads of samples from Santapod and car crashes and all sirens and all sorts of damn sirens you'd probably get into trouble for. <laughs> but like, you you know, you see the, these young lads driving around in their Novas with these huge straight through exhausts playing their drum and bass or something <laughs> to come into their midst and then to hit like a V8 doing a quarter mile in three seconds. <laughs> like right through the middle of them would be just really funny, I think. I Excellent. That's that. a great idea. In fact, that reminds me of that. There was a section in the MIDI 30 years of MIDI panel that we covered last week uh, or the week before where Craig Anderton said that uh, he's got a mate who whenever he does a gig, he's got a sample full of hums, buzzes and crackles oh, yeah. that he just plays for the su- <laughs> to, 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 uh, to, to make the sound guy's life a misery, which sounds a bit harsh, actually, but I'm sure it's quite good fun. But yeah, that was great. That was, uh, if you want to see it, musicalruth.com. Quite simple. And uh, there she is, or he is, right there on his uh, pimped up, uh, sort of very similar to a uh, Liberace sort of style. But yeah, you're right. It is very, um, very Monty Python, but nice find there. Nice find indeed. Uh, what's next? Ah, yes, of course. Uh, actually, that's a, that reminds me, because I think that um, Mike Grieg wanted to join us for this one, and I don't know if he's online. I don't know if we can... Let me see if I can find him, because he was. Uh, he said he was going to try and get there. Uh, but I'm guessing he's not. He was doing a course, so uh, he won't. We'll just have to play. This was the, uh, the the brilliant headline. I'm thinking about writing a title, uh, writing a piece on it, just because I could use the headline and see how it works on the stats for real-time kind of people interested. Blue Monday started with a fart sample, uh, which uh, is plainly not, not totally true, but uh, this was the article in The Guardian uh, by uh, Gillian... Um, oh, God... I've got it written here somewhere. Yeah, Gillian Gilbert, who's who was uh, basically the keyboard player in Blue Monday, uh, how they kind of started it all off and how it was all very uh, accidental that it worked out that way. And they were basically just trying to emulate uh, Donna Summer and sort of New York club stuff. 
And um, the fact that they had uh, started out with uh, Bernard and and uh, um, and the other guy, and Peter Hook were trying to find out how to use the sampler, and they were just trying it out by f- sampling farts, and that's how they ended up using it. Uh, and in fact, I've got a little video here, which I think is th- this one. Let me see. No, it's not that one. It's this one, which is them live at the BBC, which actually should start a bit later on in the clip. If I can get that. Which has got some great percussion in it as well. I don't know what those, those pads are, but I definitely would like... Ah, here we go. This is where it's supposed to start. Not quite yet. Yeah, great shorts by Bernard Sumner there. Here we go. It's coming up in a sec. This is playing live. And it, what's great about this live performance is it's just really quite crap. I mean, it's just all out of tune. It's <laughs> brilliantly analogue, which is fantastic. So, yeah, it pans around and then he starts playing these amazing pads, which I want to know if anybody knows what they are. Because they're in a suitcase as well, which makes them even more desirable to me. Anything that makes a noise like that. Look at that. That's just awesome. So anyway, the whole kind of uh, thing was... Uh, there were several discussion points on this, potentially on this topic, which I've got to say as I look towards the faces of my panel, who are all blank to a man. Simmons suitcase. That's what Is that it, was. It's, it's what? Sorry, Dave? Simmons suitcase. That's what that a was. A Simmons suitcase. Did it have the brain in it as well? No. Ah, uh, so it's just the pads that you'd... Yeah, Dolby used to use one... Oh, God, who was Dolby's drummer? I knew him years ago. Oh, uh, Andy Duncan. I definitely want some of them. See, I'm thinking there must, be, there, there must be a way, right? You've got a road suitcase, got a Cynthia AKS, which I have in a suitcase. We've got the new Buchler system, which would be in a suitcase, and then these Simmons drums, which are going to be in a suitcase. I'm kind of, you know, I'm thinking that there could be a suitcase band coming up fairly soon. <laughs> uh, there must be a suitcase bass possible a suitcase guitar i mean you know it's got to be there i i would guess anyway um but what i mean what apart from the fact that we know blue monday went on to sort of sell gazillions of copies and all of those things um <clears throat> excuse me and they used the emulator one for snatches of choir like voices uh, from craftworks album radioactivity uh, as well as uh, recordings of thunder and what have you and they worked out to use it by spent yeah that's right it was bernard and stephen morris the drummer um but what was interesting about this is um, it seems to be there's quite often a mistake in this genre of music where technology is really cutting edge, where a mistake kind of creates a hit record. Because, I mean, if you think about it too much, maybe it's actually going to be too premeditated. Um, do you think that most of the accidents, most, I mean, Mark, you're kind of, you are a self-titled sort of sound artist. Do you think that the actual, um, that it, it is down to the mistakes and the discovery that kind of creates the best? And these things. I mean, I was really thinking about this last night because I remember this record coming out and them having this huge, unprecedented success, and then everybody talking about, oh, New Order had something to do with like the New Order of the Golden Dawn, so it was all to do with Alistair Crowley, and oh, they must have been dabbling in witchcraft or black (laughs) magic to have got this successful this quickly, and it's all impossible, and blah 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 blah. But it's got to be down to like. Well, a series of, like, um, right decisions that are just sort of made almost as flukes, aren't they? And the fact that I found it interesting that she said she wrote all of the um, programming down on strips of paper which she hung across the uh, 
the entire length of this room and then she made a mistake. So the, the keyboard line's out of time. Yeah. And that actually <laughs> kind of creates this kind of weird little push-pull counter-melody kind of thing. But I think, that, I think what makes this record a hit is the kick drum, actually. Oh, well, there's that, the Ober, that, Oberheim DMX, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Like, when I first heard that in a club, and I was going to clubs at that time, it was just like, whoa, what is this? And you go and stand next to the speaker stag as a, as a I don't know what I was, 18, 19-year-old or something, and I'm standing there, and this kick drum's punching me in the chest, and then it's going... Yeah, it was pretty... It was just, I mean, I bass know, drum rolls... Bass drum rolls are pretty unheard of, um, definitely. And then there was something really kind of locked in about the whole thing. And then I think when MIDI became more prevalent, I mean, not to... I mean, it did, music did fall apart a bit more in terms of tightness when MIDI got used more. And there was something about this that was really un, like, incredibly tight. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's all this was done with MIDI, but... I, it I don't know. There was, uh, I don't know what they were using there. Tightness. <clears throat> I'm not sure what they used there, but uh, yeah, that was the Oberheim DMX drum machine, uh, and uh, they just wanted that thud, basically, which was kind of the sound, I suppose. See, uh, I wish I'd known that then, because I was using a Lin and a drumulator and trying to get that sound. And it was, you couldn't get it. I didn't know it was a DMX. <laughs> if I'd known it was a DMX, we probably had access to one of those and probably could have got that exact sound, and we were fiddling around with this Lin trying to make it sound like that. So Ah, okay. Um, as you, I'm sorry, Synth Fail Muso in the chat room said also that, uh, you know, what the idea with it was that they wanted to create a piece of music that they could program, walk on stage, press play and walk off as a sort of concept. It sounds like a cheeky Mancunian, uh, idea, but, uh, yeah, interesting. So I know Gaz, what do you think? Do you think it's uh, accidents, the best source of, uh, of this kind of stuff of creativity? Ah. Uh. I love, I love, uh, I love that idea. Definitely, um, uh, it's, and it's interesting, isn't it, that something so iconic, so famous, <laughs> could be, you know, be, you know. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm always, I'm always listening out for mistakes when I'm working on stuff. I, uh, I tend to love mistakes more than the artists. If I'm producing, I like the mistakes more than the artists who've made them, uh, and I quite like. Um, you know, and I always look, I always look forward to hearing the mistake coming around. Some mistakes, not, but a lot of mistakes. I really like. You know, I grow to love them, and the artist can be sometimes really, oh, you know, oh no, no, I hate that bit. And um, so, I think you have to have a, a an ear for mistakes in a way. You know, I think it's, um, uh, yeah, I think it's a really important part of the of the creative process. But. Um, it, it's it's difficult though, isn't it? Because when you're working on things um, and your focus is just totally different, you know the mistakes. Um, it, you know, it's easy to sort of just dismiss things, and um, yeah. So uh, I I really yeah I, I I'm totally into that idea of, of mistakes, uh, but I am I make plenty of mistakes myself. So I guess, um, <laughs> um but yeah it's uh it's interesting i mean i i've just been we've been working on some material today uh i can't really say too much about it but it's um it was quite interesting because what i was doing 
what I'd prepared wasn't really working. And then I'd sort of done something then by mistake. And uh, Carl was going, yeah, no, that's, that's more like it. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so, uh, and then that's ended up what we're using. So it's kind of, um, yeah, I think. Do you think yeah, it's po- do you think it's actually part po- of the thing is though do you think it's actually possible to when you make a mistake you're usually playing something which is not premeditated okay so sometimes it would be something that you wouldn't automatically uh, reach for with muscle memory and all the things that you learn when you play an instrument is it po- you know i mean obviously it's possible to play them again but is it harder to actually nail it the right way because your instinct is to sort of move it into your own technique where what you've actually done is Kind of potentially outside of that technique, and you wouldn't necessarily be able to do it if asked. If you see what I mean? Yeah. No. Good. Very. Very good point. Um, yeah. I mean, unless it, unless it's you, of course, Gaz. But you, I. <laughs> but you see what oh. I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. No. It's a, it's a, it's a very good point. Um, I'm just trying to think. Like today, I'd what it was. Carl thought that the that the sound I was using had like an octave on and was kind of uh, splitting the sound like an octave can do and sort of um, uh, there was actually two bass lines going on at the time and one was kind of I think the way they were interacting was making it kind of sound as though it was like that gurgling bubbling effect that octavers can do when they're not tracking very well uh, but it wasn't actually it wasn't actually that it was it was just a weird way that the two sounds were were working right. to, together. The, the way that and, that um, works, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it's, and it's, I'd sort of just. Oh well, sorry. I don't know. No, no. I, I, see if it, if it was relevant. But, no, no. Uh, I see what you say. I think that the. Yeah. I think that's it, though, isn't it? I mean, that's that's the th- that's the thing that we often do ourselves. It's when we jam and we kind of just stream of consciousness stuff. There's this kind of, and I think it's actually quite a common. Um, uh, issue with people who are perhaps not kind of totally nailing, you know, not like completely trained jazz musicians who can just kind of go, yeah, I can do that again, that can come up with stuff and then you record all of it just in case you can never replicate it and then maybe you can sample it and cut it up ever. I know, Dave, you probably uh, would experience, you know, when you're noodling on a synth, for instance, or that kind of thing, you can just, you, you just record so that you can capture that moment because you may never have those planets align again, right? I may never hit those notes in that order again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I love the whole happy accident thing for me. That's, I will even go, when that happens, I will even go, yes, yes, yes. And spend a little bit of time trying to rewind to what led, what led me to that point. Mm. So, yeah, all of those things, really valid, I think, and very important, actually. I think that's the mark of a creative individual. Whereas actually with a musician who has a ton of technique but isn't necessarily very creative will hit the right notes in the right order at precisely the right time. Other people interpret things through their slightly, in my case, adult brain and come up with other inversions of things. Mm. But it's all valid. Well, it's instinct, isn't it? Instinct is often the key uh, element in uh, in successful music. And, you know, I would have big, you know, huge discussions when Dale and I were going out as kind of rhythm section. You know, my, I was, I was, I was so used to playing with a click as a drummer, I was very, very tight. But my technique wasn't up to much. So when we go and do gigs where there were multiple bands, 
all the drummers in the back room would be there practicing their paradiddles as fast as they possibly can. And it was just like some kind of really weird competition. But what was strange is that over, you know, and I became not slightly paranoid, but I became a little bit concerned that I didn't have the same kind of technique as these guys. And Dale was always going, don't worry, you've got this one thing that nobody else has. And that is, first of all, accuracy and feel is obviously the big thing. And what I noticed was that I ended up working with bands a lot more often than the other drummers who were just basically overshadowing everything else with technique. And I think that's really valid when it comes to guitarists and keyboard players because keyboard players can take up the entire spectrum of frequencies and annoy the pants off at everybody. Yeah, well, that's true. And drummers um, can just fill every individual space (laughs) <laughs> with, I, yeah, I, I used to love doing that to annoy actually yeah <laughs> it does i can i can vouch that it actually does annoy um so uh, mission accomplished there dave <laughs> thank you very you much do those really massively Rep- extended roles over about six bars you know uh, yeah represent there like- well speaking <laughs> of massively uh, massively extended roles uh, that takes me on to this other thing which is is kind of um i, I i've got a sort of couple of bits to play and the, the first one is um is this and I hope this is going to work. Uh, maybe a bit early, and I'm going to have to again talk over it because it's probably going to require me to uh, fast forward it so that we don't get yet. Uh, this is obviously uh, Genesis Mama, which I'm not a fan of Genesis at all, never have been. But when I heard this again, and I'll explain why it came up. Look at the wobble on that Fairlight. Look, look, on that stand, it's wobbling. He's got it. They just put it up there on something for this video shoot, and that is like 60 grand's worth of technology wobbling on a really crappy stand. I, I won't play anymore because uh, we'll probably get busted because I could only find this on sort of Vimeo and EMI music ones, and they're extremely litigious. But the reason this came up was because uh, I found on YouTube uh, a kind of making of Mama, the album, which is the... Uh, um, Genesis album. This is like all home movies yeah. from uh, uh, from um, Phil Collins's. Um, obviously, got a new camera um, where he's sitting there programming the titles and everything. Nothing but the birds twittering and the leaves rustling. And there's like five videos of this of you know varying lengths. There's probably about an hour's worth of material of them in the studio during the recording very, of this. Very, uh, very, very, very nice. Which is quite an interesting um, documentary in itself, or at least would be if it was as interesting as I thought it was going to be. But, um, Dave, you probably know where that studio was, don't you? Did, isn't it kind of around your neck of the woods? No, it's in a place called Shalford Common, just outside Guildford. Ah. Do you want to know the name of the house? It doesn't exist anymore. No, ah, I won't okay. say it. I won't say it. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, but That was it, his house. Ah, okay. And then there's Hugh Padgham in there and lots of kind of brilliant sort of references of uh, technology of the day, you know, the Euro monitors with the big blue foam horns and the, uh, uh, what was the other thing? The Acoustic Research AR-18s. Anyone remember those? Mark, you probably do. They were sort of the pre-runners of the NS10s. They were the near-field kind of full-range hi-fi speakers that everybody used as a reference point apart from Oratones. Um, um, yeah, I think I remember them, but I, I also remember Yuri B's, the ones with the blue cones, aren't they? Is that what you mean? I think so. I'm going to see if I can find a shot of them somewhere, because they they're just absolutely massive. Uh, and they had a light bulb in them, so when you really drove them hard, the light would go off, and that's how you knew that you were working the amps really, really uh, too hard. I'm just looking to see if I can find a picture of them in this... Uh, they've got, yeah, a, 
Uh, there's the shot of the... Um, if I switch to that. There's the shot of the uh, AR-18s. <laughs> and then I think if I spin it around a bit, the Euro, the, I think the Euros will show up. Uh, they're using an AMAC desk by the looks of things. Yeah, I can't see them. It's all a bit kind of uh, retro, obviously, but um, I just... I mean, uh, my, my main monitors here are acoustic research monitors. They're really, really old. I kind of know what they sound like, and I know they sound absolutely nothing like they're supposed to sound in terms of, like, I'd put a Behringer, what are those, uh, silver micro, uh, reference microphone on them and played some white noise through them, and they're miles and miles and miles off, but I kind of know what they sound like, so... Yeah, well, that's the thing. In fact, actually, that's interesting. Um... Uh, where did he say it was? Uh, Sinner's music said that he's uh, he's still using um, AR18s and Auratones to monitor with in the chat room. So you know that it's what you know, isn't it? But uh, um, back in the day before powered speakers, I know Dave. Did you? I, I don't know whether, but whether you got anything from this. I don't know if you're a fan of Genesis or any of that lot. Or I, I don't know, but it struck me as a particularly um, talent-free and humorless kind of area place to work. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. It's quite strange. There are so many people in that video that I knew at that time. And uh, I was involved in that scene before this album, probably about 82, I guess. And it was really funny, actually, looking at some of the faces. There were, there were guys who were with that band for, like, ever. I was yeah, the crew were well, setting up. A Genesis it? crew member. That's what I was kind of going to become. Ah. And in some ways, I feel I had a lucky escape. No, and I'm, I'm not... Uh, yeah, no, I won't go into any of that. What I will say is it was quite good for me on a gear spot in front because there was that movement drum computer, the little NPC, the orange thing, which uh, one of those was recently up for sale. That was quite interesting. The Synclav, obviously, the uh, Rhodes Chroma, Emulator 1. There was So all of that. And Hugh Pantom looking like a young little lad. But it was <laughs> a long time ago. It was a long, long time ago. Yeah, really interesting. I, the one, the one thing about this actually that I thought is, I when I heard that, I remember that Mama must have had a really strong influence on me in terms of just the sounds and the kind of the the, the scape and the, you know, the kind of the, the world that. And I'm I'm not a big fan of um, uh, what's his face, his voice or whatever. I mean, although it's got a very distinct sound to it, I do quite like the uh, the kind of weird. Huh? sort of note and the oddness of that and the kind of grandmaster flash evil laugh and all of that kind of stuff but it also made me think about the uh, the way that back then you know you didn't have the ability to just replay a track over and over and over and over and over and over again you know the same way that you can now you can just hit it on mp3 loop it or whatever so when you were trying to emulate something in your head if you didn't have the record you, it was very much about the approximation of what you could do you know and you had to just sort of think yeah, this is what I'm trying to, you know, and so you, you couldn't be as clinical, whereas now it's much, much easier to do that. You know, if you're trying to go for that sound, you know, you'll go on Spotify, download a, a sound, listen to it, kind of go, yeah, I'm tweaking a bass drum to sound a bit like that, match them up, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You can be much more forensic and precise about these things, whereas whereas previously you just had to rely on instinct, again, which kind of had this up. I know, um, Gaz, I'm not, I don't know what your feelings are about uh, Genesis or about any of this stuff, but um, do any oh, of that have any love, meaning? Love, love Genesis. Yeah, love Genesis. Uh, Mama is an amazing track. Uh, you know, the mood and the atmosphere, I think it's amazing. So I think, uh, you know, and I think Tony Banks is just, he, he's the genius in Genesis, I think. He's the one who uses just such interesting chord 
uh, you know, his chords are amazing and his kind of like inversions and just the way he, he voices chords is just so unique and so special. Uh, so yeah, I am, I'm a big fan and I think that he, something like Mama is a, um, <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a masterpiece of 80s, I think of, you know, early 80s music tech and songwriting coming together in a in a really really great great way um you know it's been traditional to you know to bash genesis or certainly the post peter gabriel genesis but um well it it was interesting wasn't it because this album was the first to the first the most successful one that they ever had mm. sold what, more successful than invisible uh, touch in terms of chart in terms of charting in terms of chart, up to that point, I mean, up to that point. Oh, okay. Uh, a few days ago, I was in a friend's house who's got a really good 5.1 surround sound system, and we listened to um, Trick of the Tail in surround sound. They did a, they, I think about seven or eight years ago, they sort of remixed it in surround sound. Uh-huh. And uh, it sounded amazing. I've got to be honest, it sounded amazing. It, uh, and the whole kind of surround sound thing really worked with that music because it's so, um, you know, uh, atmospheric, expansive. And right. Okay. Well, also I presume there are yeah. less elements. There are quite less elements of it, I suppose, in some respects. Um, I'm glad we found someone who actually, who's into Genesis. Cause I mean, I, they, they kind of passed me by cause I guess I wasn't into that. And this was probably the first time I'd really, heard them and and it was such a it was such a stylized right. thing it was interesting the didn't album used to wear didn't he yeah. used to wear white shoes well he might have done you can't <laughs> hold that against a person mark i mean really <laughs> i mean there are all sorts of crimes against fashion in in all of our pasts i'm sure you know yes <laughs> yes guys ask carl yeah. <laughs> so you know uh, a new pair of white shoes on for the Brits tonight uh, <laughs> now folks we don't want to we don't want anybody to get into trouble here um but yeah i mean just a few more it was interesting Kar- Kerrang uh, reviewed this album. Uh, there were lots of quotes. There's an interesting Wikipedia page about it, actually. Apparently, uh, Kerrang said, Gen- it's a Genesis album for people who normally hate Genesis. And uh, great music for the masses. Because it was like Route 1 pop records. You know, they, they kind of, at one point, they obviously made must have made a decision to go, right, let's just go for the charts, you know, because that's what they did. And they did it very successfully. I mean, I'm not sure all of it was to my taste. In fact, I, you know, I think outside of Genesis, Phil Collins has got some fairly... Highness crimes to answer for there, against music. There's a that's all on off that album. You know, uh-huh. it's not a typical Genesis song at all, but it's a brilliant single. And I, you know, I don't care what anyone says. It's a you know, brilliant songwriting, wonderful production, amazing. Still sounds great today. You know, it's like uh, right. I'll have to go back and listen because this was the the only one I really heard. But uh, I did like I did like Mama. The atmosphere of that definitely has a kind of uh, something outside of the norm for them. Um, good. I mean, they're great videos, actually. I have to say, I thought they were really interesting videos because normally you would never ever have got the chance to see inside of that camp. So I don't know where they came. You know how they arrived online. How long they'll last? Who posted them? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think, you know, there are an awful lot. Of, and actually, I, you know, in Mr. Collins, I know he gets a bad press by a lot of people, but 
he was all right. He was a kind of genuine geezer. Yeah, he seems like a nice bloke. And I, um, somebody was saying in the chat room earlier when I was playing this sort of pre-show that uh, he's like his hands are really knackered because of all. The, I mean, I guess it's drumming or whatever. I mean, he's and he's suffering Crack, from. Isn't it? Is it? Uh, it just seems such a sort of sad thing that he's sort of so physically kind of done in by his career. Absolutely phenomenal drummer. I was introduced to him by another phenomenal prog drummer. So there, it was quite interesting because. Collins was my kind of one of my drum heroes. And yeah, great, great the, drummer, uh, Brand X and all that other, as well. Yeah, Brand X was a massive band for me and and a lot of the early Genesis. And um, what was quite interesting is that these there was a little rivalry, but I was kind of this young whippersnapper who was into technology and into drums. And there was a little bit of rivalry between these two old school drummers as to kind of who could impress me the most, which is kind of a weird situation to be in when you're like, 19 or 20 you've got these two kind of drum gods kind of going oh yeah well you want to listen to this and the other one going oh no 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 don't stick in the uk go to brazil learn your craft and whatnot and one day i'll tell you the entire story because it's very very funny and an abject lesson in knowing when to keep your gob shut (laughs) (laughs) or not Ah, that does sound interesting. But yeah, great. I mean, it's good. It's good period watching. I mean, it does get a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know who edited it or what it's done together, but it doesn't seem to have any kind of great narrative. But there are some brilliant moments in there. And uh, I don't know, Mark. I'm guessing you. You're. I, I'm guessing that you're um, not naturally gravitate towards uh, Genesis as a as a music fan. Oh. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? I mean, I liked Genesis. Well, I like. I like. Peter Gabriel, I think he's uh, he's done some very interesting things, and I like some of his music. Um, uh, it's it was hard for me to like Genesis as a kid growing up because um, at 15 years old, the Pistols and the Damned and the Clash and all those bands came along, and it just was not cool to be into Genesis. So there was a lot of peer pressure to say, yeah. well, you know, you can't go there. And then I've got a brother who's two years younger than me who was absolutely so into Genesis and Supertramp uh, that, you know, there was a kind of a sibling rivalry thing, like, no, no, his music's not cool and my music's cool and all this. Um, I mean, in retrospect, listening to Supertramp, Supertramp were absolutely extraordinarily brilliant, and I missed that whole thing through being a punk growing up. So it may be that if I listen to Genesis, there might be something there for me that I've missed, but... You know, in general, um, I think I just I'm not taken by Phil Phil Collins's voice and that whole story about him splitting up with his wife might have created some, you know, heart wrenching tunes for people, but it didn't do it for me. No. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, the uh, I think the one for me I can't remember what it was called, but it was one about the homeless girl that it was just absolutely ghastly ah, no horrible yeah think twice i, I yeah, honestly yeah, I, uh, it's just yeah. being lectured and to by a musical multimillionaire about charity. against all odds was a tipping point really that was uh, <laughs> it was like oh, you are not coming back from the abyss now are you come on come on come on come back but it wasn't going to happen no well but some great moments i mean you know when you've got a career that spans that long um and you've released so much material i mean it can't all be you know critically acclaimed yeah and yeah. um, i'm stevie wonder's biggest fan but i mean come on let's face it part-time lover and what's that one i just called i oh, just yeah i just called yeah. but that's the thing about genesis so genesis were a band and you had like three well four or five as it was 
very strong individuals, you know, who would kind of counter each other, would, you know, and I, that's what I would like when I listen to them. Even I think a much maligned album is uh, We Can Dance, is it, yeah? the, the last Phil Collins Genesis album. Because that even I remember the single, yeah. It was horrible. Well, after all them hor- well, that's that's not so great. But but after all that horrible stuff, there still is this thing that the music has uh, a quality to it that is born out of it being a band dynamic and not a solo artist dominating it. You know, and in fact, Phil Collins was still quite sort of. Uh, insecure about his relationship with the other two, you know, that Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks were these kind of kind of scheming arch kind of guys who, um, you know, so Phil still felt quite, you know, insecure even at that stage after all of Phil's solo success. I find that quite interesting. But, you know, um, I just thought it's worth mentioning because the it's that sort of pri- it's the, it's the public, really... school, uh, public school boys, isn't it? They all, then they all go to Charterhouse. Yeah, except Collins. Uh, well, Phil yeah, Collins that... didn't. Uh, uh, Hackett didn't, did he? He was a councillor at Skid. No. So, uh, there a... we go. It... Well, I, or, or there we go, or perhaps not. I mean, I, I don't know. I've never been to uh, Charterhouse or know anyone who ever went there, so I suppose it's a bit hard. It's, it's just a perceived uh, fact. Anyway, I think that's probably um, that's probably a good place to end. So if you want to check that out, if you look for um, Genesis, the Ma- Making the Mama album on YouTube, uh, you'll be able to... Um, oops, that's not what I want to do. Oh dear, I'm about to play something wrong here. No, I'm going to have to. It's all gone black, and um, there we go. Making the Mammoth album, right there. And now my my visual. Well, though it was done very well. Oh, there we go. Here it comes. Cute. Cu- <laughs> here I am. I'm back. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, like I say, hopefully we'll have uh, Mr. Uh, Jem Godfrey in at some point uh, if he's uh, available and uh, Rich Hilton is uh, off on tour uh, so he's going to be away for a while um, so uh, but hopefully we'll uh, hear about his jolly adventures um, as he tours Germany for three weeks in uh, in in a couple of weeks time so um, that's it for Sonic Talk number 302 I want to say thank you very much to first of all say thanks to Dave Spears g4software.com do check them out for uh, your virtual instrument needs and uh, a new video that Dave is going to be posting, or is has just posted. Yeah, I'm going to try and get that up over the next day or so. Yeah, definitely. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank All good fun. you. Let's go, because I've got a visitor. Okay, thank you, Dave. And also, thanks to Gaz Williams. Thanks for making it in there. Um, I know it's uh, not always possible, but we're very pleased to have had a brief amount of time with you. Next award dinner, we'll see you uh, again, and hopefully, if it's on a falls on a Wednesday. <laughs> And good luck in the uh, in the rehearsals and project. Thank you very much. Oh dear, headphones came out. Thank you. Cheers, mate. And finally, thank you very much to Mark Tinley over there. La finale. You're very welcome. I'd and like to remind people to go to tvmaniamusic.com where you can buy an extraordinarily extraordinarily expensive box set of vinyl of the uh, TV Mania project, which I did with Nick and Warren about 15 years ago or more or something. Brilliant. And uh, there's other other things that we're doing at the moment, which will be showing up there shortly as well. Well, 
Thank you very much for that, Mark. And hopefully when it comes to be a bit close to the time, we can perhaps talk about um, some of the sessions and listen to this, listen to some stuff, maybe go through a bit of it, if that's, uh, if that's all right with your, you lot. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. I'll see what see who I can talk to about this as well. Because Great. Well, yes. Thank you very much. Right. Um, okay, you're very well. Thank you. And that's it for Sonic Talk number 302. See you later. <laughs>